0: Welcome to the Cork Creative Podcast. With this podcast, we hope to shine a light on the great work being done in local businesses. If you'd like to learn more, please visit corecreative.ie. We've been interviewing local creatives and business people over the past year, and have listened to some great advice and lessons learned. With that in mind, we have decided to do a series on business supports and delve into the local offerings that can aid both new and established businesses. Today in the first of the series, We speak to Kevin Curran, Head of Enterprise in the local enterprise office for North and West Cork. Kevin chats to us about the advisory, training and mentoring services they offer, along with the financial grants that are available and shares some good stories and sage advice for both startup and established businesses. You are very welcome to the Cork Creative Podcast, Kevin. Thanks, sir. What unique advantages to setting up your own business in North or West Cork, Provide?
1: We're talking here today in Cloddy-Kilty, so maybe I'll, I'll look at the, the western part of the county more, but look, it's a wonderful place, wonderful people. It's a great place, I suppose to say. There's a whole ecosystem of things that you can look at here. There's tradition, there's landscape, but I'll get back again to people and talent, and there's an awful lot of around here. A very cosmopolitan part of the world, a very unique part of the world, and I mean that in the absolute most complimentary way. We've got some very strong traditions here in a number of sectors as well too that people build upon. It is the food capital of Ireland and I'll argue that with anybody and I won't broker any dissent in it. We've got a wonderful store of craft and creative industry here and we've also got some pretty cool high-tech stuff as well. Mix that all up together and what do you what have you got? You've got an awful lot of experience that you can draw from and be inspired by. You've got an awful lot of stories and journeys that you can learn from. And you've got an awful lot of history that you can learn from as well too. And you can find that people engaged in business are happy to tell their stories and people engaged in business are happy for others to learn from it. And because of that, you've a great ready-made bank of experience that you can take from. And I mentioned there crafting creative. I mean, could you find a better place in the world actually to set up a business like that in you get one of those creative blocks and what do you do? Open the curtains, open the door, look out. And mm. if that doesn't get you going and if that doesn't get the creative juices going, I don't know. So people, tradition, landscape. But I go back to people all the time, mm. a very cosmopolitan place. We have people living here in West Cork from literally the four corners of the world. And that's not just in the last few years, that's through generations. Mm. And, you know, they used to talk about New York being the great melting pot of the world. I'd argue that West Cork ain't far behind Mm. either just Mm. in terms, And it has really got kind of the creative juices going, if you want, here. And a lot of good things have come out of that. And a a lot of experiences have been kind of boiled down together. And we've come up with a wonderful sauce out of them anyway. So Yeah, it's a good place, good people, good talent, good infrastructure facilities as well, too. And I know people worry about the fact that, look, you're a long way from certain stuff. Are you anymore? Mm. I mean, as we all got used to working from home, you could be opening a door to San Francisco, Shanghai, Singapore, you name it at the same time. And you're sitting in your kitchen in Baltimore or in Bantry or in Bearhaven and you're the same as you're anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. So that's certainly an opportunity that people look at and location, to be honest with you anymore, should not be seen as any more than a postcode to be honest.
0: Exactly it's not a hindrance it's really once it a place is a happy place for you you can do business wherever as such.
1: I think I think it is and mm-hmm. and, and again I mean maybe as you know the last couple of years have taught us that we've actually disconnected our place of work from you know headquarters mm. and headquarters has become a kitchen table or the, or the spare bedroom mm-hmm. the very fact that we're able to do that within our own communities has been actually quite empowering for people and it's maybe kept the lights on or maybe put the lights back on mm. in a lot of communities around the place. And what's the future of work? The future of work is evolving. Will it be better? It certainly has the potential to be. Mm. And, you know, I think particularly in some of our more rural and isolated communities, the technology to connect is there and improving. And that technology could actually be a saver for an lot of those communities. So people, place, scenery, technology, facilities, all those together makes it a pretty cool place to run a business from and a great place to start a business from mm. and a great place to run a business from. Mm.
0: A lot of potential, so.
1: Oh, I think so, yeah, yeah. And, and the truth be told, in terms of what we are seeing and in terms of the sort of inquiries that are coming to us, the sky's the limit, yeah. it, it genuinely is, I mean, I was talking to two guys this morning and they're looking at a uh, business of a, a new type of home charger unit for electric cars. That's been done mm. in West Cork.
0: Mm. There'll be definitely need for that. I? <laughs> abs- <laughs> Things
1: are going <good. laughs> abs- Absolutely. But but I suppose my point is that there's a very rich mix. Artisan food, exceptionally strong here. Mm. Craft and design, exceptionally strong. here. But then my two guys this morning talking about EV chargers. Yeah. But no, it's, 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 it's a great, great, great mix. And... When you see that yes you have strengths in certain areas without a doubt wonderful history of hospitality in the area a wonderful history of welcome in the area but we have great traditional strengths but we have cutting edge at the same time as well and maybe that's what people should look at Mm. you actually have the best of all worlds here
0: and so what kind of services do you as the, the local enterprise office offer someone who's thinking of setting up a new business
1: Maybe let's just describe the, somebody, the journey of somebody coming to us and what typically might happen. First thing I'd encourage anybody to do is pick up the phone, knock on the door, find our website, and that's pretty easy to find www.localenterprise.ie and to land on our local page here, it's localenterprise.ie slash Cork and West. We're very easy to find. Offices are here in Clannock-Kilty and Kent Street, just across the road from the library. Mm-hmm. Find us, come and talk to us. And typically what we'll do then is that We'll bring you in for an initial chat. Now, those have been digital for the last couple of years. Prior to that, they were physically face to face. And we'll probably get back to a certain element of that due course. But first things first is to put you and one of our professional business advisors together. And what we usually offer on that chair is an hour one to one. Key thing about that service, it's completely confidential. It's completely free and it's completely non-judgmental. So this is kind of a mad idea. What will I do? We're very straight-faced and poker-faced when it comes to that sort of thing. There's no such thing as kind of a a deft idea. Sometimes you might have to say to fellow, think about X or think about Y. But what we want to encourage people to do is to come in and talk through their business ideas, to come in and talk through what it is that they're thinking you're doing, and to come in and talk through then with us, maybe what do they need to do in order to get themselves going on that journey. That's stage one. You've come in, you've talked through. What sort of advice or what sort of signposting or what sort of direction or what sort of assistance might you get from that business advisor? It could go one of a few ways. Advice for a start. You know, look, I like that. Not so sure about that. Maybe you should talk to somebody about this. And maybe we could, you know, sort of have, have a look at that sort of thing. So that will be an experienced business advisor you're talking in front of. And he or she will be able to, I suppose, steer you a little bit along the way in terms of where you go. What might come out of that? One of the first things that you might be encouraged to do is maybe look at one of our training programs and one in particular, which is called a Start Your Own Business program. And like a certain television ad used to say, that's exactly what it says on the tin. It's a short program and it's about giving you some tips, some tools and some structure about starting your own business. Typically, those are run over eight half day sessions. It could be at mornings, it could be at evenings. And the idea of them is that giving you a flavor of a few of the things that you need to be cognizant of in your building. So there's a little bit about finance. There's a little bit about sales and marketing. There's a little bit about taxation. Bits and pieces like that, okay? And equally though, as part of it as well too, you're encouraged to make a stab at writing a business plan. Mm -hmm. Now, people zone out when we talk about writing plans and think, Jesus, I left a big pages." It's not. It's actually fairly short and sweet. Mm. But it's about you maybe interrogating yourself But also maybe make a bit of a contract with yourself. Okay, Mm. this is what I'm going to do. And this is how I'm going to do it. What might be typically in the business plan? Chapter one. What's my product? What's my service? And to be honest, if you can't write chapter one, you haven't much business looking at chapters two, three Mm. and four. Okay. So that's chapter one. Chapter two then is look, what's my typical customer look like? What's he or she look like? Or it, it could be customers. You know, there might be a couple of different markets that I'm going at. But again, what does that customer like? Who, who am I trying to get after to buy this thing? Chapter three then is how do I connect them? Somebody might be maybe thinking about launching a food product, you know, would I take this straight to shops or maybe I might try and get into a farmer's market first or something like that, you mm-hmm. know, that's that sort of thing. The last thing then is what do I need to make that happen? And on that page could be I need a premises or I need a van or I need a machine or I need to employ somebody or last but not least, I actually need some financial help to make that happen. Mm. Now, those four chapters, Jer, they might just be a paragraph each. It's not a book. It's not a thesis or anything like that. And people get fierce. They get fierce anxious when you kind of mention business planning to them. But it actually shouldn't be because the key thing with it really is you need to honestly ask yourself these questions and you need to honestly answer yourself Mm -hmm. these questions and okay. Things do happen and some things happen that I hadn't foreseen. If you and I were having this conversation two and a half years ago and I was telling you to write a business plan and I said, actually, Joe, you better include um, a chapter there on pandemic planning and you'll say, a pandemic what? <laughs> and that'd be the end of that sort of thing anyway. But, you know, things do arise that, that, that aren't expected. But equally, the art of actually challenging yourself on certain stuff makes you a little bit more resilient against the unexpected. Mm -hmm. And to give you an example, I mean, an awful lot of businesses would have contingency plans against things like fire and flood and theft and things like that. But the contingency plans that businesses would have developed against, we'll say a fire or a flood in HQ, they were able to twist them a little bit when it came to getting people to work from home during a pandemic. Mm. So different question, same answer. There's a fierce value in that. And I know there was a general said one time that no battle plan will survive the first 15 minutes when the bullets are actually mm. flying. But unexpected does happen in real life. And it's not just in war, but business can be a little bit like it sometimes. Mm. There's a competitive doggy, doggy element, maybe may there anyway. But at the same time, just doing that means that you're better prepped and better prepared. And equally, go go back to the last thing that I said uh, that was on chapter four about finance. Let's say you were going lucky to borrow a little money from a bank or a a credit union or something like that first thing they're going to ask you listen have you got some numbers on that you know have you got Mm -hmm. a bit of a business plan put together so whether you're maybe talking to us maybe about us possibly financing something talking to a bank or something like that the art of planning will make your business more resilient the art of planning will make you better prepared yourself for it and the art of planning will make you be taken more seriously when it comes to maybe looking for somebody else to put a little bit of funding into that Mm. to help you get it going. That's a pretty important part of it, but it's a part that a lot of people get a little bit scared about because, you know, I've never written a business plan before, but it doesn't have to be that daunting. That's one element of our training. Mm. We have others as well, too. And just to give you an example, last couple of years, I've seen an awful lot of businesses go online by necessity. Mm. You know, unfortunately, we did have to shut down parts of our economy for a mm-hmm. while. And when the front door closes, like, you know, there's still bills to be paid and things. A lot of businesses look to the world of digital and said, OK, let's, let's try and open a digital door to the world. Quite a lot of businesses did quite successfully. We gave them a little bit of help along the way and that we have a small grant scheme. We call it a trading online voucher. It's worth up to two and a half thousand euros to a business. And basically, it'll cover half the cost of developing a website up to a maximum contribution by us of two and a half thousand. The website has to be what we call an e-commerce enabled website. In other words, you can buy something or you can pay for something Mm. on the website. A brochure type or catalog type website, no, Mm. because you just look at them. Another area of training that we're involved in and it's related to that is encouraging businesses to use social media, for example, Mm. to drive business to their websites and ultimately to drive business to their business Mm. because, you know, one is not divorced from the other. So we do things like using Twitter and Facebook for business. We also do a short program using TikTok for business, and it's not just the deaf videos that people are sending around to each other on TikTok. It's actually using it as a quick, sharp, sharp, humorous way of putting a business message across. Anybody under the age of 35, if they can't find your business on their phone, not their computer, not their tablet, but their phone. They're not going to find you in one sense. Actually, you almost technically don't exist to them. Mm. So it is important for our businesses to look at getting online. And I suppose between that small grant program and between those other kind of training bits that's around it, we kind of have a wraparound service around that. But that's another example of the services there. What's the benefit of being online? Actually, what's the detriment of not being online? I suppose I'd answer it that way. And... Even people who might describe themselves as maybe quite traditional or dyed in the wool. I mean, once they see the opportunity that this brings and once they see the opportunity to be open to the world 24 hours a day, seven days a week and be able to trade away through it, people find that actually magical Mm. and actually wondrous at the same time. And it's not about competing with Amazon or or any of the big Mm. guys like that and and fair play to them. Look, amazing business model and all that. It's not about making enough money that you can build a rocket and not to fly to outer space and all that sort of thing. It's about serving your customers that are already on your doorstep via a means and via a media that they're most familiar with and mm. happiest with. Like I said to you, the parent of three teenagers, if they can't find it on their phone screen, it does not exist. Go back to the 24-7 basis. Once your website is up and running, that actually is a counter assistant that's working for you 24 hours a day. Mm-hmm. Just to give an example, if I may, and through story, a guy I was working with a few years years back, he had craft shop. I called him John. Okay. And John at a craft shop and things were a little bit stagnant. And he came to us and said, look, come here, any ideas, any tips, any whatever. So we had to look at him. I said, John, I said, show me your website. So he did. And I said, don't take this the wrong way. I said, but I said, it's bland, it's boring. And more importantly, I can't buy anything on it. It's telling me to come into the shop and I could be the other side of the world. And how am I going to come into your shop? So I talked to him about the ready online voucher. So he made his application and he went away, went to the market. Talked to a few different web designers, got a few quotes from them and actually on a very general note. If you are looking for services, the first quote you get is not necessarily always the best quote. Shop around, it's good practice. Get three or four quotes, compare value and be sure that it it, it does what it's supposed to do. So I got a few quotes, went away, got the website up and running and I was passing through this particular town a few weeks later and I called him in here just to see how he was going in Things are doing all right. He said, we are get you a bit of business with that website, he says. He said, as a matter of fact, he said, I came in there one morning, he said, a week or 10 days ago, he said, turned on the computer, he said, and there was two orders came out of the computer that they'd come in overnight. Right, I. So he said, where did they come from? He came from the States, he says, and very similar part of the States, he said, I said, they were no more than 10 or 20 miles apart. So he said, i done what I needed to do. He said, they both ordered the same piece, which was funny enough, he says, and it was a small little jewelry piece. So anyway, he said... Packaged them up, put the address labels on and went down to the post office, came back, he said, and I sent an email to both of them to say, look, come here, dear so-and-so, thank you for your order, we have processed payment, blah, 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 and your package is gone in the post to you, if I unpost, and here's the tracking number you so I can keep an eye on it. He said, all good, he said, and then he said, Kevin, he said, you'd have been fierce proud of me, he said, the next thing I asked him, then he said, A bit of market research, he said, how did you come across me? I was fine. A couple of days later, he said, I got responses back from both of them, and again, he said, by the responses, by what they said. It was easy to put the dots together then. I figured both of them had seen my product by one mutual friend. Because what they both said was, a friend of mine had been in Dublin recently, had gone to Trinity College to see the Book of Kells, had gone into the gift shop and had picked up a piece and bought it. Came back home, showed it to me, her friend. And I thought, oh, I like that. I'd love a bit of that. And I looked at the back of it and what was there? I the www. So I could buy it. He said, isn't that a great thing, Kevin? He says, I said, it absolutely is. I said, and approved my bite. He said, but what's even better? He said, I can make money in bed at night. And he said, it's perfectly legal. <laughs> so he went away a very happy man. And I suppose, look, the model of the story is that digital door to the world is open 24 hours mm. a day, seven days a week in every time zone on the planet. Mm. A lot of feedback we get is people like the online for the research there's still certain things that they really only want to do face to face the thing is you can you can actually marry the bricks and the clicks as they call it yeah. the bricks and mortar shop alongside the clicks of online they can actually both work quite well mm. together and they can complement each other but if you exclude yourself from one medium you're completely reliant on the other yeah. and the importance of the clicks and the importance of the online is, is more and more so don't knock it if you are a little bit wary of it we all are to a certain extent of stuff maybe that we don't Completely, and totally understand mm. or even just stuff that, that that's that's new to us. Come and talk to the likes of us. Mm. Come and talk to somebody who can maybe explain it, maybe in in in, in layperson's language to you. That's a few examples of mm. kind of the training side of offering we're involved in, and I suppose all that stems from our advisory service in terms of how we advise you maybe mm. to go forward. And know, come here at the end of the day, you can take advice or leave it. Like that, that, that's entirely up yeah. to yourself. another area, I suppose, that that could pop out of that that initial chat that you've had is that, okay, look, you've come to us and you have, you have an idea or, or maybe you're already in business. Maybe you have an issue or something like that mm. that you want to talk through. And certainly we get a bit of that as well too and say, okay, maybe what's the best way forward? So another angle to our service on top of the advice and the training is a mentoring service as mm. we call it. That's actually about getting a bit of ongoing advice and input from somebody who really, I suppose, knows maybe that you don't know already yes. sort of thing. In our case, how that works for us is so that you might come to and say, look, come here, I'm looking for a little bit of advice in a particular project or to address a particular problem, or maybe just a little bit of general advice at the end of the phone every now and then. And what we might do is say, okay, yeah, look, there's there's a need there sort of thing. And so we say, right, look, we might assign a mentor to work with you over the next number of months. And what we'll do is we'll say, look, come here, we'll contract them to deliver X hours of mentoring to you, okay? But that's available to you over that period of time. They're not actually going to directly solve the problem for you. Mm. But the idea is that they're giving you maybe a few tips and a few tools and a bit of their own experience to help you. Because what needs to happen there, Jerry, is that you need to learn from that so that if you're ever confronted with that or something similar again, you are then empowered if you want to actually deal with it yourself, you know, that, that, that being the idea. But that's, it's quite a popular service. It's an exceptionally valuable service. And I think pretty much everybody that goes through it get something of value back out of it. No, my turn right a small little bit from that, because mm-hmm. there's a second form of mentoring that's very important for people as well. And that's a more informal thing. And that's maybe where, you know, individual groups of business people, you know, a Chamber of Commerce, I mean, that in itself is 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 a form of it, you know, mm. where where people in business in a town would might meet up regularly, you know, they're they're shooting the breeze about mm. this, they might be complaining about that, but equally that might be solving a couple of problems for, yeah. for people as well. So those sort of networks, or maybe you have somebody who has been active in business in your community and you kind of say, Come here, any chance we give me for a cup of coffee every now and then, just to maybe shoot the breeze on a few things. There's value in that. I have Nova Guy and he he describes his Friday evening club and himself and about six or seven other fellows. They meet up once a month on a Friday evening. Mm-hmm. It could be for coffee, it could be for stronger. It depends on the time of the Friday they meet up. But they're not talking about football and they're not talking about politics. What they're actually doing is they're swapping a few tips and ideas of what's going on in business, what's going wrong in business, mm-hmm. what's going right in business and all this sort of stuff. So they're actually helping each other and every problem that one guy might throw into the middle of the table, somebody else has probably got a view, if not mm-hmm. a solution as to how they might deal with it. And some of the training programs that we do, that we do kind of on a group basis, we would strongly encourage the participants there morning. We want to say, actually, guys, if you're OK with it, would you maybe consider swapping numbers or maybe emails? And you could do a group email or maybe a group messaging chat. And do you know what? Maybe you might meet up every few months or something anyway, and you could swap a few stories about problems, solutions, that sort of stuff. There's fierce value in that, yeah. because if you're starting out on your entrepreneurial journey and you're a one man or one woman operation, it's desperately lonesome. Yeah. You have one pair of shoulders that yeah. everything falls on. If you had a small group of people in the same situation as you, mm. who's going to get you better? Who's going to understand better the sort of, the sort of problems that you're facing? And sometimes actually what you need is you do need to vent a little bit of that, firstly, but secondly, you need to do it to an understanding audience and maybe a kind of a peer group maybe is a better term for it of people like that and say, sure, I had the same thing myself last Mm. week. Mm. Tis grand. And all of a sudden, "Ah, okay. Problem
0: problem shared is a problem (laughs) halved.
1: And it, and often even divided a lot more than that, but Mm. there are people out there who've encountered something. There are people out there who've actually come across this and there are people out there who are very, very, very willing to actually help there's those kind of informal networks which are brilliant mm-hmm. they genuinely are and i'd encourage anybody get involved in local business associations mm-hmm. get involved with other like-minded people mm-hmm. don't be shy about it because crikey it'll pay spades mm-hmm. back to you but on our side then that kind of paid mentoring service where, where you know we're actually we're paying for that we're putting that person working i suppose working their head with your head mm-hmm. in order to get some solutions to yeah. particular problems and there's a fierce 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 value in that and pretty much everybody can benefit from it at some stage between all those types of services i call that kind of the soft support site okay Mm. and that's probably all about really building capability and capacity within the business person themselves Mm -hmm. as well as the broader business now a lot of people come to us day one and they want to talk about finance straight away Sometimes it's the last thing we want to talk about because we want to work about on the capacity building beforehand, and the mm. capability building. But at some stage, yes, you will have to talk about money. I mentioned a business plan to you earlier. That's a very important part of that. Mm. And whether you're talking to a local enterprise office or a bank or anything like that, having that planning piece put together is important. But there are some grant programs and they are kind of tailored or, or matched around the life cycle of the business That you can't talk to us about. No. One thing I do want to talk about first on that is just eligibility. We are limited to certain sectors that we can and cannot financially assist, but all the other soft supports can be given to them. And what's the idea behind that? Primarily, the grant assistance that we have is towards manufacturing business, services, but only those that are internationally traded. Mm -hmm. And also maybe something that's very new, innovative, unique, hasn't been seen before sort of stuff anyhow. Give an example about the services, maybe to explain the why and the what, but why really is around competition mm-hmm. and if you wanted to start a barber shop or a hairdresser shop on pierce street here in clan kilty you've opened up and you're or you are opening up and you want to ask us look could i get a little bit of help here maybe a little bit of financial assistance towards equipment and that in you the difficulty with funding that is this there are about five million people in the Republic of Ireland. Now, not every one of them is going to travel to Clannac Hill to get their hair cut. Mm. You've got a limited market. It's very limited in numbers. We're doing this a podcast, but Jerk can see that I don't have enough of lot hair on top of my head, so
0: <laughs>
1: barbers don't bother me too much at all, sort of thing, but.
0: You have a beard though.
1: I, 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 I make you I make up, up for it that way, yeah. But somebody wanted to know if I was growing that for a transplant. And then, they, they got a, they got a fairly straight answer off me anyway. But g- going back to the barbers yeah. and I suppose and I'm using that as kind of a personal local service. Mm. If you were to financially assist a barber or a hairdresser to start up a new shop here in Clanachiltie, the business that they generate they're actually going to take it from other established businesses. Mm. So what are you doing? You're putting money into new business, but you're only cutting down other business. Mm. So the other side of that then is that let's say you are starting a software business. Most software now is effectively as a service. You're mm. selling a license or something, or whatever. Mm. You, but that software is translatable and exportable to the Mm. four corners of the world Mm. in seconds. Mm. I mean, as soon as it's made, I mean, you could have a fellow in Japan, send you yen and somebody Mm. in Seattle, send you dollars and somebody in Cindy, send you Australian dollars and God knows what. Mm. So that's internationally tradable. That brings in cold, hard cash to the country. And that is an export. Mm -hmm. And that's bringing additional wealth into the country. So that's why the support is there for those kind of internationally orientated things. Now, people might think that's a little bit unfair. It's it's the way it is. Yeah. And like I said, it's down to the fact that it's bringing wealth in rather than just redistributing around between bald heads and full heads and God knows what around the around the place here locally. So that's the idea behind it. But anyway, in terms of the grants though, then, and I said to you that they're kind of tiered around The life cycle or the life stage Mm. of the business. So there's kind of three broad steps in that. Very early stage, you're pre-trading and you're still kind of kicking around the idea and maybe you're doing a bit of research or a bit of prototyping or something like that. We've got a a feasibility study grant. It's pretty much what it says in the tin. Mm. It's for that pre-trading very early stuff. The next stage then is that you've actually started trading or you're about to start trading or you're very early doors. We have what we call a priming grant. And again, that's kind of what it says in the tin again Mm to priming the start of the business. And then later on in the cycle, then we have what's called a business expansion grant. And typically those are businesses that have been up and running maybe for 18 months or two years. They might come back. No. Could a business avail of all three? In some cases, yeah. Mm -hmm. The other thing that people ask us for sometimes for assistance on is they're saying, listen, I need to take somebody on because I'm expanding the business. Mm. But it'll take a while for the sales and the business to catch up to pay that person. And in that case, we can offer a little bit of assistance to subsidize the salary for the first year. Salary gap, we call Mm -hmm. it, okay? And a third type of thing that might be there is that somebody might need to spend a few bob on, we'll call it consultancy as a broad term, but what that might be, they might need somebody to do some testing or certification work on a new product, or maybe somebody to do a little bit of market research or something for them. That potentially could be grantable as well. Mm. So there's a few different types of things that it might be spent on. It's not just the machine or it's not just the person. There might be other things. And what we give and how we give it is typically tied to where in the life cycle that business is. And typically when somebody is inquiring about that and talking to us about it, there's a fair bit of over and back between us and the applicant for Mm. a while. And yeah, you'll be asked the questions, what and why and where and all this sort of stuff. But at the end of the day, what are we looking at? we're looking at is this business kind of founded and is it working on kind of a sustainable business model? And When I say sustainable, I'm actually talking about a business that can kind of self perpetuate itself. Profit isn't a dirty word. Mm. Okay. That's what we look at. And ultimately, is this a business that can sustain itself, can sustain some employment? And once you get it to a certain stage, you know, you've wound it up and now you let it off sort of thing. Yes. Yeah. So we, we do look at that and and sometimes to be honest with you, we end up maybe having kind of hard conversations with people as well to say, you know, do the numbers make sense here? Can you actually get this to kind of a self-perpetuating, mm-hmm. sustaining basis? And you've got to show me something and it's how it works. And those can be hard conversations sometimes. Mm-hmm. And they're, they're actually hard for us because of our topics to encourage. Yeah. But sometimes, yes. You may have to kind of slightly deflate a balloon as well, too, and maybe get people to be a little bit more realistic. Mm. The grant, I suppose, to, maybe to summarize the sort of grant assistance, it's about different parts of the life cycle. It's about the different needs of a business in different parts of its life cycle. It is available to cover different types of expenditure or subsidize different types of expenditure. But ultimately, it has to be justified. And I, I, I make no apologies for this, journey. Mm-hmm. We're actually talking about taxpayers' money and You know, there has to be good reason for investing it and good reason for investing in the way that I suppose Ireland Inc, if you want, gets a little bit of a return on her investment as Mm, well too. mm. And that return is in several forms. It can be a return in terms of jobs. Those are always good. Mm. It can be good in terms of return in taxes. Mm -hmm. And also it can be good. This is one that's very, very, very hard to justify, but it can be good in terms of what it does for the social fabric of a community as Mm. well too, you know, and those in business who are working away from themselves rather than unfortunately maybe city at home with nothing to do that's a that's a happier person yeah. that's a person mm. in a better in in, in in a better place that kind of social dividend I don't know what a man you know put a measurement on that but there's got to be something in it yeah and that's the payback for Ireland Inc so if we have to maybe sort of interrogate a little bit more to make sure that that payback is there I won't make an apology mm. for mm. it because it has to be robust in a certain way and Yes, you take a little bit of a chance sometimes on on it, without a doubt. Hmm. But there has to be a certain robustness there, I think, anyway, Hmm. in terms of where the thing is going to go.
0: And what do you think is the most common mistake that businesses make?
1: I'll give you two, but they probably amount to the same thing. (laughs) Over-optimism and underestimation. Okay. And what do I mean by that? There's an old maxim that it'll take twice as long and cost twice as much. And you could apply that everything from a building project downwards. Mm. And I'm not being flippant about it, but at some stage, I'll go back to my business plan again. You'll notice, I always go back to that (laughs) okay? But I go back to that again. And and ultimately in that, I mean, you are making a certain level of assumptions Mm. on that. It's one thing to assume, but genie Mac, you have to be realistic on those as well Mm. too. So over-optimism can be part of it. That's one thing. Can I give you a practical example of that? One of the other things that commonly goes wrong in business is that they either underestimate or maybe misunderstand the credit and cash cycle. Mm -hmm. What do I mean by that? You're starting a new business, Jer, and you are selling something into a shop. You're making jam. I'll just Mm -hmm. make that easy, okay? So you're making jam at home and shelled out on some equipment. You've shelled out in jars, you've shelled out on tops, you've shelled out in fruit and sugar and God knows what. You shelled out a share of money, okay? Mm-hmm. And you go down to your local shopkeeper and says, listen, would you sell my jam for me? And he says, how much do you want for it? You say, right, I want 150 a jar for it. And your man thinks I can sell that for 250 or three euros. You're 150, you're happy. You can cover You can cover your costs on. His three euros, he's got to put that in a shelf for a while. While it sells, figures. So you both think we're getting a good deal here. You've already paid for your equipment. You've already paid for your jars. You've already paid for your fruit. You've already paid for your sugar. You've paid pretty much for everything. And do not forget this. You've already put your own time into it. Mm. And the amount of people who never factor in the cost of their own time. But that's another day's story. Mm. A man says to you, fine, but look, do you know what, Jared? it's a new product. we will have to see whether this is selling or not. So do you know what? I'll pay in 30 days or I'll pay in 60 days. There are some retailers might look for 90 or 120 days credit. Mm. You're continuing to make jam jar. You're continuing to ship it to other shops. What have you got paid yet? Big, <laughs> a big fat duck egg zero.
2: Mm.
1: Not factoring in the lag between what you have to pay out and what you can mm. get ba- back in. That is a serious dragon business. Mm. And understanding how cash flow works. As a new business, it's very hard for you to get credit. Mm-hmm. People don't know you. Mm-hmm. Now, as you get more established, you can start asking for it because mm. people have gotten to know you, they've gotten to trust you, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. But at the very start, that gap between what you've had to spend and what you're getting back in can be quite broad. Mm. Have you got enough of a float to keep yourself afloat mm-hmm. in the meantime? What happens when the electricity bill comes in? And everybody's worried about electricity bills <laughs> yeah, at the exactly. moment, let's be honest with you. What happens when the gas bill comes in? So that is a very common challenge for people. And having a business day one that's undercapitalized or under financially resourced use, whatever term mm-hmm. you want, that's the key. And you have to take maybe a pessimistic view on what's going to come back in mm-hmm. and say, OK, could I live with that shopkeeper asking me for 30 days? Could I live with them asking me for 60 days? Could I live with the odd fella that mightn't pay me at all? Mm. You know, that that gap, that's a key challenge. Okay. It's a very key challenge. And, you know, I would not underestimate it for the world.
0: Mm. And how do you think that the, the growth in remote work will change the business and show social aspects of rural Ireland and particularly in North and West
1: Cork? If you look at... The challenges that GA clubs in many rural parts of the county have faced over the last 10 or 15 years, Mm. falling numbers of younger active members. And what are you seeing? You're seeing clubs struggle to field under 21 and senior teams. You're seeing amalgamations in places. Why? Because younger people have traveled to where the work is, Mm. the growth in remote work, or at least the growth in the possibility and potential of, of remote work. Could that reverse some of that? Mm. I think without a doubt, it can mm. and it will. And mm. rather than looking at work purely remotely, I think a lot of those businesses may end up with, with a kind of a hybrid model. It could be a day a week, it could be a day a mm. it could be a day a month. That's perfectly doable at a distance because it's limited. No, you're not going to commute from Clant to Dublin five days a week. Yeah. Bonkers like, mm. but doing it every now and then and all of a sudden, like I said, the handy corner back or the handy corner forward or the boy or girl that you were in at school. And all of a sudden things are looking rosy mm. and things are looking good back in the community. And it's not just in places like Klan, it's in a whole other place like that. I think there's distinct possibilities, if not probabilities around mm-hmm. it. And when you look at remote working from home, when you look at maybe remote or distance working from maybe from some of the hubs that have sprung up around the place. And again, a, another hybrid model might be that you work from home three days a week. Mm. You go into a local hub, maybe a day a week, because you know something, it's actually nice to shoot the breeze with a couple of the other and guys around as well there, too. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, but mm. own, instead of driving hundreds of miles, it's, it's a couple of miles down the road or something that mm. like you could be heading over to Dun Manway to, 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 to somebody there or whatever, mm. It doesn't matter. You have a short journey. You have other like-minded people who are the same as yourself. They're effectively working in Dublin, but they're doing it from West Cork. Mm. And you have the social connection and work out of that, but you haven't killed yourself by being on the road all day. I think that kind of third model, I think there's fierce potential of that as well too. And there's a good chance in the county championship for the year then with a good team then. <laughs> and there might be a wedding or two out of it as well too.
0: So like with the profile of Enterprise Hubs has, has never been greater, sure. like you've mentioned there about mm. like, I guess, Ludgate there and Skipperine, they recently won an award and Brook Park there into Dunman the yeah. is, is going from strength to strength. And for offers offer some great facilities yeah. near the town. Do you see this as something that will increase over time?
1: Short answer, yes. Mm. And the local Enterprise offices, we're, we're part of the local authority structure. So our parent authority, Corkerty Council, they're working on and looking on a number of these and looking at towns, maybe that facilities aren't already there the same right, what do we need to do in order to create the conditions of this or are people we need to work mm. with or something maybe we need to do ourselves, etc. Anyway, so it's very much living and kicking. And there's a very active network of these across the country. Mm-hmm. And I think they're brilliant. Mm. I think there's enough that to be said to it. And that kind of that three standard hybrid that I was talking mm. about there, where you know, you have the days at home, you have the days in a local hub, mm. and then maybe the day a week or the day of fartness, or the day a month that you're going to HQ, all of a sudden you actually have the best of all worlds there. Mm. Do they have a place? Absolutely, without mm-hmm. a doubt.
0: And did you notice any kind of trends growing, like say, from the pandemic, you know, from obviously the outreach and funding calls that you get through the Leo, did you notice any kind of trends of the way work is kind of going?
1: I think w- one of the things that actually got into people's heads as they were maybe working from home themselves in their paid jobs was it got people to realise that actually there's there's a global reach from West Cork or from North Cork mm. or whatever you are. And I actually think it opened some people's eyes mm. to the possibility. And I know one guy that I'm doing a, some work with, his largest client at the moment is the FBI. <laughs> yeah. No, I can't or won't get into what he's doing because, of, but that's his largest single client at yeah. the moment. Mm. And, you know, it's a little bit like the, wasn't it the Skibbereen eagle that was keeping an eye on the tsar of Russia? You can actually keep an eye on an awful lot of the world from West Cork, you know? Yeah. And you can work with it and for it very well from West Cork and other places. It opened people's eyes to the possibility that if they could connect remotely with work, which was in Cork City or Dublin City, sure, couldn't they connect with Dubai? Mm, mm, Or San Francisco? mm. Or New York? Or Shanghai? Or whatever? So the world actually is kind of your oyster sort of thing. Yeah, exactly. And it it actually doesn't matter where you are. Mm. You can connect with it. It also got people open to... Maybe I suppose new business trends and new business ideas. Well, t- you know, in terms of you know, what are people now doing when they're at home? Are there new kind of trends that are coming up? Every sort of major shift that a world economy gets, you know, and they are, they're often rooted in disaster, mm. you know, world war, a pandemic, or something like that. Mm. All of a sudden, the merry-go-round stops for a second. People look around and say, "Hang on, we could be doing something different here." Mm-mm. So there are certainly things that are that are going to come out of that. And yeah, I'd say what's the space? It could be an interesting time.
0: Like, do you think that it's like businesses have become more resilient because of the pandemic? Like I I, just talking to various guests that we've had on Cork Creative, like they've all nearly gone, oh my God, when it it hit first, there was almost like a week or two of mourning. And then they went, we you have to do something here, be it go online or in some cases actually open a shop because the shops that they were selling to now closed down. So they had to be become a retailer themselves. So do you think it's after making them more resilient and making them open up a little bit more?
1: I think so, yeah, Mm. and and I think when we're faced with any sort of crisis or challenge, what do you do? People talk about fight or flight, Mm. the other one is freeze. In some cases, it, it forced people maybe to confront certain realities in their business, say, do you know something? let's let's just try something different or mm. let's go at this a at different angle so out of crisis often comes opportunity yeah the fact that when people's physical front doors had to stay closed that they look at digital doors and mm. other ways of getting out into the world so yes innovation and creation often come out of crisis mm. because people have no other choice mm. there's still bills to be paid and look to be fair the credit there was some significant supports put into business through a number of schemes and initiatives funded, funded by the government and they definitely kept the show going but at the same time business had a look at itself as well then said mm. hang on there's maybe a new opportunity here mm. Mm. you know that we that we need to go look at her. how many distilleries did you hear of started making hand sanitizer for organization <laughs> exactly and you know what I mean i I'm, fair play yeah you know I would mean, just get look we have the alcohol. <laughs> We need to put it in a way that people can rub in their hands and, yeah. and not drink it and be bold and things anyway. So, all of a sudden, like, the, the, there was a load of them doing it. Mm. And yeah, business opportunity, absolutely. But at the same time, this was an innovate rather than stagnate sort of mm. thing. And I know, have you ever heard an expression that somebody put it to me one time that if you stand still, you're technically going backwards because of the way the world spins. You kind of have to keep running but, forward yeah, sometimes, exactly. sort of thing, you know? Yeah. And guys done it. No. Were there casualties? Yes. There, there were, unfortunately, and, and unfortunately, that's one of the realities of life as well, too. But we do an annual count on our business portfolio. And these are businesses, Gerard, that we would have financially assisted over mm. the years, OK? And like the IDA and like Enterprise Ireland, we do a headcount every year and say, right, look, you know, the businesses that we would have worked with are employing X number of people this year. And the hope is that next year it'll be X plus something. Mm. No, between twenty nineteen and twenty twenty, unfortunately those numbers went down. Mm. Not a surprise with what was happening. Mm. But we announced nationally our figures there a few weeks ago for twenty twenty one, and they were back up and a little bit more. Mm. So we were a little bit ahead of where we were in twenty nineteen. And after, I suppose, two years, I'm kind of a bucking bronco with everything that was going on. That's a pretty good mark of success to the Irish micro business sector that they were able to recover them. There were casualties within that Mm -hmm. and there's there's no sugarcoating that Mm. that did happen. And some of our businesses and some of our business sectors were uniquely exposed Mm -hmm. to that. There were some sectors maybe in terms of, you know, food, drink, hospitality, etc., you know, that. I mean doors were closed for a long time mm. and you know whatever about the supports that were that were given and they were very welcome from government but there's i suppose that psychological blow about the fact that your door has been closed for mm. a while thankfully things are are opening up there again but you know I can't pretend that there weren't businesses that you know in more ordinary times would have kept going if not thrived mm. and unfortunately that wasn't the case but equally we've had some new startups that have popped up and have probably come in on the coattails of new advantages mm. and, and maybe new avenues and new roads to business that have probably developed or improved a result of what we've seen over the last couple of years
0: mm-hmm. Well, on that note, Kevin, I'd like to thank you for joining us on the Core Creative podcast. Thanks for watching. If you would like to learn more about your local enterprise office, you can find links on corecreative.ie.